You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of this did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy. What's going on? Hey, we missed that uh, click clank sound there shane what's going on <laughs> yeah yeah uh, just a little under the weather today i thought i'd just mix things up with a little gatorade <laughs> okay that's fine shane we just wanted the listeners to know that it's not that uh, tennessee's drove you to not drink no yeah that no no this is not any like third step or anything like that depression i've snapped and cleared it's a new week i'm ready for some football that's coming up this week forget last week all right, Shane, on that theme, how about this? We got a big game here. LSU going to Texas, obviously. Uh, LSU does not speak till Tuesday, so we're going to have a ton more on that game on the following episode. But I thought this was too good not to share. We're still learning about Joe Burrow. Yes, he's in year two at LSU, Shane, but he's got an interesting mm-hmm. way to fire himself up for these games. Uh, we, we were coming in we were coming in from a pregame warm-up and he was hitting his helmet against the wall. <laughs> I mean, just love him. Uh, I do that I do that every before every game. No, yeah, I just put my helmet on and smash my head against the wall once once before I go out every game. So how about that, Shane? And <laughs> the best, this clip is posted on Twitter and the first comment is uh, CTE is a hell of a game. <laughs> 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 this is what you want, man. You want your starting quarterback headbutting a wall before a game, you know? <laughs> kind of reminds me of uh, Hicks. Do you remember when Hicks came? They said, you know, Hicks was so pumped up. He was out there headbutting all the linemen. I mean, come on, quarterbacks. Let's don't do that. I mean, these guys believe in you, but we need you. We need you sane. We need you sober when you hit the field. Yeah, we do. Speaking of being sane and sober, Shane, I don't know if you saw this, but there's a photo going around. It caught viral. It features Texas. They're wearing some shirts saying uh, the Longhorns are the real DBU. <laughs> and I know LSU, you know, they claim that title. This may be a, the wrong week to break that out. Obviously, they're trying to troll LSU. But from what I understand, I, I don't know if this is true. Obviously, we don't talk much Texas football. But apparently, they have not ranked outside of the uh, top 100 pass defense in like four of the last five years. So I do not know where they're getting this DBU moniker. No, I, that, this is the, the wrong week to bring that one out. I also saw a clip floating around last week. One of the defensive backs went in to bat a ball down, thought he bat the ball down, celebrated batting the ball down while the receiver ran 15 yards down the field with the football. <laughs> So uh, there will be a DBU on that field this coming up Saturday, but they will not be wearing orange. All right, Shane, last thing here before we get into uh, the week two slate. Did you see, I got to hit you with this, Georgia State, they got a Labor Day sale, ticket sale. Holly, Mike, I done done told you. I done moved on from last week. You got to bring up Georgia State. I don't care about them. For anyone that missed it, Shane, Georgia State, they're selling a four-game ticket package. For $38.30. <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah, 12 packs a lot less than that, Mike. 
That's true, Shane. And we're going to need a 12-pack for week two because we got some good games here, Shane. Let's break into it. Uh, let's start with the uh, television schedule because this was just finalized over the weekend. Yeah, we knew most of these games, but they were not all finalized. So I'm just going to quickly run through this, Shane. We got a TV and time schedule for every single game. Uh, let's start with the noon Eastern time, 11 Central games. West Virginia at Missouri. That's where SEC Nation will be. That's going to be on ESPN2. Charleston Southern at South Carolina. That's also at noon Eastern time on the SEC Network. Vanderbilt at Purdue. That's going to be a noon on Big Ten Network. I don't think I get that sh mm -hmm. channel, Shane. Uh, big game here on ABC 330 Eastern. Texas A&M at Clemson. That's going to be a good one. Southern Miss at Mississippi State. Shane also at 3.30 Eastern on ESPNU. At 4 o'clock on SEC Network, we got New Mexico State at Alabama. Uh, Mur Murray State at Georgia. That's going to be 4 o'clock on ESPN2. And then I don't know why. I hate they do this, Shane. These are all games at either 6 or 6.30. Well, they're all 6.30 except for the first one, Shane. BYU at Tennessee. 6 Eastern time, 7 o'clock um, mm. e 7 o'clock Eastern Time, 6 Central on ESPN. And then the rest of these all at 6.30. LSU at Texas on ABC. UT Martin at Florida on ESPNU. Tulane at Auburn, ESPN2. And then Eastern Michigan at Kentucky on SEC Network. And also on the SEC Network must be the alternate here. Arkansas at Ole Miss. Man, I hate. I just hate when they load up uh, the, the evening with uh, five, six games here. You, you can't even watch them all. Yeah, no, I like I like what the way it was set up this week. It felt like there was like three games going on, and you know it's kind of it's difficult to watch three games at one time, but it's a lot easier to manage than seven games at one time. Yeah, I just I have no idea why they do it like this, Shane. But I, you know, it, it won't be a problem when there's much more SEC in conference play. So, uh, you know. I'm never going to complain about too much football, but it just sucks no. that I have to go back and <laughs> spend all Sunday and Monday trying to recap what happened here. But uh, just because I, I didn't catch that, so the Texas A&M game's the CBS game, right? Uh, no, there's no CBS game this week. The oh. first CBS game is next week's uh, Alabama at South Carolina Week Three. Hmm. Gary, getting a long summer, ain't he? <laughs> <laughs> so what we have here is two ABC primetimes. Obviously, Texas A&M at Clemson. And then a few hours later, they're LSU at Texas. So uh, the big games, if you just want to watch those, you're not going to miss any you're not going to miss either one of them, but you're going to miss some good SEC football otherwise, unless you got, like I, I've got uh, four TV set up. But it's, it's incredibly hard to watch four games at once, I think. Dude, I was just trying to watch two last week, and I couldn't do it, you know? So uh, kudos to you, sir, with your four TV magic. All right, Shane. So for listeners that are new this season, uh, our probably our favorite game here. We typically try to do this on Sunday evening, but uh, yesterday's show was just so jam-packed we couldn't fit it in. We like to play a little game called Guess the Opening Line, Shane. We get, so obviously the opening lines, most people already know them, but we're going to break them down here in just a second. But what this game is, Shane and I talk amongst each other off air. He tries to guess all the opening lines, and I do the same. And then we just try to see who comes closer to the actual opening line. And remember, there's no lines for the FCS game. So we're not going to do all the games, just uh, the major games here that have spreads that you're going to find at a sports book. And let's start, Shane. Let's just go down the list here. We're starting going off the television schedule. West Virginia at Missouri. You thought Missouri would be an eight-point favorite. That's the same number yep. I came up with, so just over a slight touchdown. And how about this, Shane? Missouri opens as a 12-point favorite, so we tied on that one. But uh, what are your thoughts on that one, Shane? Missouri nearly a two-touchdown favorite against West Virginia. Yeah, I thought that was a little – I don't know. With the Wyoming game, mm -hmm. I was thinking closer to a touchdown just because I was everybody was disappointed. But maybe uh, Vegas is, you know – Either they think West Virginia is really bad, or they think Missouri is going to bounce back. So I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked with an over here. Yeah, and I didn't watch West Virginia's game, but I know they played James Madison 
and they nearly lost. So, mm. uh, I mean, they got a total rebuild there. Uh, look for Missouri to have a nice bounce back here. All right, Shane, next game on the docket, Vanderbilt at Purdue. Obviously, both these teams, 0-1, Purdue got shocked by, I think, Nevada last week, while Vanderbilt obviously lost at home to Georgia. You thought Vanderbilt would be a half-point favorite on the road. I said Purdue by 6.5. I thought it would be right around a touchdown. It's actually favorite Purdue by 9.5. Thoughts on uh, Purdue being you know, a little over, a little under a two-touchdown favorite against Vanderbilt? Well, I think Vanderbilt's got a decent team, and I think Purdue doesn't. I watched a little, believe it or not, I watched a little bit of that Nevada game, and and I just I was not impressed with what Purdue had on the field, and and Vanderbilt, you know, they hung with Georgia as long as they could, so they've got a lot of talent. I hope that if they get the quarterback situation figured out, I'm I'm kind of surprised Purdue's favored by so much. Yeah, and Vanderbilt already got some experience on the road at home playing Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike, yeah. Don't don't be that guy. All right, Shane, next game on the docket here, Southern Miss at Mississippi State. You thought it would be a 13-and-a-half-point favorite advantage Mississippi State. I said minus 13, so we were right on there. And it turns out Mississippi State, Shane, how about this? 18-and-a-half-point favorite, nearly three touchdowns. So you win that one. Uh, what gave you the confidence to think that uh, Mississippi State would be such a big favorite in this one? Just the fact it's Southern Miss. And touchdown Tommy's going to have another week under his belt. I think things are going good. So, yeah, I, that's kind of what I was leaning more toward. Just I think they'll have better team chemistry going into this week. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, Shane, this, is, uh, this could be an interesting game just for the fact that Southern Miss probably loaded with a lot of in-state talent that, pro- that wishes – they would have got that Mississippi State offer. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll have something to, to play for here in Starkville next week, I think. That's true. And big game here, Shame Texas A&M at Clemson. You thought Clemson would be favored by 16 and a half. I said Clemson by 20. And uh, that's pretty much what it was, Shane. It opened at Clemson, 19 and a half point favorite. Thoughts on mm. the number one team in the nation being nearly a three-touchdown favorite to a team that uh, nearly knocked them off last year. Well, I, I think Texas A&M's better this year. I think their defense actually looked pretty good. And, you know, again, we're going with the Texas State comparison. But they were in the right place at the right time. So if they keep that fundamental football going into this week, I mean, three touchdowns, that's a lot of scores, Mike. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of a large spread here, Shane, you were not even close on this one, but <laughs> can't blame you because who would have thought this one? New Mexico State at Alabama. You said Alabama by 29 and a half. I said Alabama by 45. And even I was off on this one, Shane. Alabama favored by 54 and a half points <laughs> to open out. I can't remember. I mean, I've seen a couple USC, you know, when they had Matt Liner, Reggie Bush. I remember them being like 45-point favorite at, at a time or two. But I don't think I've ever seen one 54 and a half. <laughs> no, and I don't even – Honestly, I didn't know much about New Mexico State, but I didn't think that they'd give them. I was thinking around 30 points, surely, you know, but mm-hmm. nope, nope. They're going to say, uh, what, half a century here? Half a, what is this, half a hundred? Yeah, 50. Uh, so, I mean, I don't even know how you bet this game, Shane. I mean, obviously Alabama's just going to destroy him, but they get up by 60, then you're just sweating it out, hoping New Mexico State doesn't score on <laughs> Alabama's third string. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like those games, Mike. I don't. I'm not putting any money near this one. All right, Shane. Next. I bet. The, I bet a lot of people will go the under, though. I mean, that's a lot of points, Mike. Has this thing moved at all, or has it just came out? I think it actually moved up, Shane, to like 56. Did <laughs> oh, <damn> it? That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> all right, Shane. Your boys here. BYU at Tennessee. You thought BYU would be a nine-point favorite? No, that's a ninety-point, Mike. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I said Tennessee would be favored by two, and that's exactly what the opening line was. Tennessee favored by two. How surprised were you by that opening line? Well, Mike, you got to remember, you asked me to send this over Sunday. So <laughs> it was the day after, and uh, I wasn't feeling too good that day, Mike. So I didn't think we had a snowball's chance in hell beating anybody. So uh, the more I thought about it, now nah, this – this makes sense. Home field advantage is 
Even though I don't know how many people we're going to actually get to show this thing. <laughs> Jeez. All right, Shane, next game on the docket, Tulane at Auburn. You thought Auburn would be a 26-and-a-half-point favorite. I said Auburn by 17, and uh, we were both kind of split the difference here. Auburn opens as a 21-and-a-half-point favorite. So I guess I win that one technically, but uh, what gave you the confidence to set that number so high for the Tigers? Similar to Mississippi State, I just think – Building off team chemistry and this Auburn defense, man, they're going to have their way with Tulane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that, Shane, but I would caution. This is probably – this is either a stay away or bet on Tulane for me because I just think that mm. when a team like Auburn comes off such an emotional game, particularly winning it there at the end against a marquee emo- opponent that they've been gearing up for all off season. I think there's going to be a natural letdown in this Tulane game. Not to say Tulane is going to win this game. No means do I think that. But uh, I, I could easily see Auburn two touchdowns and a field goal. That's kind of why I had it at that 17. I could very easily see this being um, a, a, right around a two-touchdown game in the end. Mm, I could easily see me roping you into some bed on this one, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, how about this one? Eastern Michigan at Kentucky. You favored Kentucky by two touchdowns, 14 points. I said 16, and uh, I hit this one right on. It's 16. Uh, Thoughts on Kentucky, and uh, I'm definitely not going to be betting on them to lose this game. I'll tell you that right now. But uh, Kentucky is getting a lot of confidence here from Vegas. Yeah, for sure. And I I think this is one of those that they get the lead pretty early and just sit on it. So, uh, I, I like this. I like this bet. I honestly kind of like the over now that I'm I'm thinking about it. Of course, we'll get to the picks later in the week. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, your anti-Texas bias was showing here. LSU, you thought nine-point favorite. I thought LSU would be favored by two. And it, when it was came when it opened up, Shane, LSU favored by four at opening. Uh, what gave you the confidence to make that number so high in favor of LSU? Just because they're a better team, Mike, you know? <laughs> not, not a lot of math to this one. I just I honestly think top to bottom LSU has more talent, even though they are playing at Texas. I just think that what LSU did last week, I think they're ready, man. I don't know. I just think that they're going to be able to put points on Texas at will. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, final game on the docket here. Arkansas at Ole Miss, the only SEC game on the docket week two. Uh, you thought Ole Miss would be favored by three and a half. I said Ole Miss by three, and you win this one, Shane, because the Rebels opened up as a six-point favorite. This is one of the more surprising mm. lines, I thought, uh, at the opening. So uh, Ole Miss favored by nearly a touchdown. I don't know. I'm not ready to go that far out there, are you? Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I really was impressed with Ole Miss defense, mm-hmm. and uh, if if they can get anything going on offense – there could be a shot that they could score multiple touchdowns against Arkansas. But right now, it's just like, who shows up this week? That's kind of what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of that, Shane, who you ready to show up to go around the league? Hell yeah, let's do it. Now let's go now around the league. We haven't decided how we're going to play the guys. So and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So... You know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over, and, you know, like every other or every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice. So you just uh, you get used to it. It's a catchy tune, right? I mean, this game's going to be a street fight. This game's gonna be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully, you do. Um, and you go back to it, man. This isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat, launch bail. Let's get to work. All right, Shane. So, I wanted to start with some Texas A&M Clemson talk, and we we're gonna get to that in just a second. But we kind of had some uh, big news here break on Monday. This was first reported by Mike Uve of uh, WACH Fox there in Columbia. Jake Bentley, Shane, Mm, mm, injured. mm, mm. And the status, some people saying broken bone. 
I've heard speculation that uh, is not that serious, but sounds like bus champs ready to turn this thing over to the true freshman Ryan Helinski, and uh, that may have forced Jake Bentley to kind of shut it down. I've heard that. I don't know that's to be true, so I'm just I'm just telling you what I heard, Shane. But the Ryan Helinski era officially begins. This I think you were the first one that I ever <laughs> heard call this say. Some some way, Paul Brown, if he finds a way to beat South Carolina, you expected them to turn this thing over to Ryan Helinski. I think you hit the nail on the head on this one. Uh, thoughts on the true freshman, you know, getting – I mean, he's going to have a week now, and then he's going to face Alabama. So this – I thought if they were going to make this move, it would be after Alabama, but they're making this move early, and they're, they're citing an injury here. Mike, and I'm going to tell you, too, something about these injuries, it's – I'm kind of a conspiracy theorist when it comes to these mm-hmm. because it's kind of funny. Even in the NFL, like when somebody loses their job, then all of a sudden they're out for with surgery, cleaning something up. Right. You know, a lot of these guys have been playing football their whole lives. There's something wrong in everybody's body. And and it may be this was something that may have gave them some swelling issues in the offseason or something that they thought they could address later. You know, it, it's not – I don't think it was an immediate situation – that's kind of what it feels like like you know okay you're out you've got a foot problem so it's it's going to be a win-win we'll we'll say we're going to have surgery on your foot clean that up something that you need to get done anyway plus this is not going to be a slap in the face when we put the freshman in you know what i'm saying that's kind of what it feels like Mm -hmm. well to me shane i think will muschamp i still don't think he's on the verge of getting fired or anything i know certainly you know a very vocal part of the fan base is saying that and they have that right because it was that was an inexcusable loss but you know I never want to jump to conclusions here week when what happens I know this is certainly I know I've been saying it the offseason could happen it doesn't look like it will be now but what happens if Helinski comes out here and he lives up to the hype and then they turn around and beat Alabama in two weeks I mean, how stupid is it to be like saying Will Muschamp's on the hot seat? You know what I mean? So let's yeah. let's let this thing play out a little bit before we fire this coach after one game. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm not ready to go down that that path. But it almost says to me, Shane, that uh, Will Muschamp understands for the you know this is a the first true challenge of his tenure there in South Carolina. If he doesn't get this thing turned around, he may not come back in 2020, or he may have to fire some key assistants. A lot of his defensive staff, I mean, his defense is getting shredded, Shane. And these are guys that he's been with since he came here from Auburn. He brought some of the guys over. These are the same guys that were with him there at Florida. So he's tied to these guys. I don't think he wants to get rid of them. And instead of making a a knee-jerk decision and saying, hey, we got to fire this defensive coordinator in the middle of the season, I think he's kind of firing his starting quarterback here and turning it over to the talented freshman. Guys, I mean, Bentley's had every shot in the world to get this job, to get it figured out. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean – Take the injury out for a second. Let's say he's completely healthy. I still am benching him uh, just because if you watch that game, like we're going into his fourth year of playing football. He's done all this camp, all this time practicing. If he hasn't figured it out by now, he's not going to figure it out by the end of the season. So let's get somebody in there that may have potential game-winning abilities. You know, Who knows? Falinski was in on that last drive. They may have scored. They may have won, and then we'd be talking about a new quarterback there in South Carolina. It just, I'm just, I'm over the Bentley thing. It's just, I gave him a shot, and he came out. I'm sure the Gamecock Nation is the exact same feeling I have. Is like, okay, he's he's had plenty of shots. Nobody's had more opportunities as a quarterback in the SEC than Jake Bentley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said, Shane. All right, Shane, let's jump to like we promised here, Texas A&M. Giga Maggots. Looking ahead to their big challenge on the road at Clemson, number one team in the nation, Shane. Nobody outside of College Station giving the Aggies a chance in this game, despite the fact, in my opinion, Clemson was a better team last season. and They nearly got defeated here by the Aggies. Of course, that game was in College Station. This one's in Death Valley, at least the ACC version of Death Valley. But these players, Shane, Offensive lineman Jared Hockner, starting left guard, and Jamon Osman, starting receiver. They're not only saying it's possible, they're saying the Aggies are going to get it done. 
Uh, I mean, I like uh, being the underdog, you know, you always have something to prove, so I'm looking forward to the opportunity. Does that make them uh, right for uh, an upset? Oh, yes, it does. There will be an upset. All right, Shane, and then on the tail end, I wanted to add this, because Jimbo Fisher, we'll get to more of his comments in just a second, but he was asked about some of his players making these comments, <laughs> and old Jimbo, uh, he had a perfect response here, I thought. Some of your guys uh, earlier today were making some pretty bold statements about winning the game and all, and I know that sometimes there are coaches Who did that? that? Well, I, uh, just a couple of your guys. Uh, well, who did that? Okay. Uh, there will be an upset on Saturday. Oh, okay. Well, well, Jerry better play well. <laughs> That's great. I mean, it's great. not great to have confidence. That doesn't need to be said. I mean, you always – and there's not a game you don't ever – I mean, so there was one guy that said that. <laughs> Well, I'm, there's nothing wrong with being – if you're not confident that you're going to be successful, yes. But we understand the opponent, and that comes from respect for them. I mean, you know, you have a great respect for them, but also you have to go compete. You expect – anytime you line up to play, you expect to be successful. But you understand it's a tall task. We need to play well to have that success, and that's what we have to do. We have to practice well, prepare well to be able to do those things. I'm glad they're confident, but, you know, that what Jerry said doesn't need to be said. I mean, that's, that's great. And, but at the same time, you've got to play well. And after the first two hits of the game, that stuff all goes away anyway. Who said that? No. <laughs> I mean, that was great. That's the perfect response, I think. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just he's just got these guys believing. And uh, I don't think he cares that they really – I know he's joking around here, but I don't think he cares that uh, they think they're going to go in here and they're publicly willing to say they're going to beat Clemson. I don't know, Mike. You don't want to create headlines either. You know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure that both these cats made it to Jimbo's office at some point today. And he said, hey, listen, I love the confidence, but we cannot give them fuel. You know, uh, how many times have you seen a team come out and they say something like this, and then they, the other opposing team hangs it up in the locker room and use it as fuel? You know, you want to be overlooked. You don't want you don't want this team coming up saying, you know what, they're, they think they could beat us. You know what I'm saying? You want Clemson looking ahead and uh, not saying that they will against Texas A&M because it was a tough ball game, but don't give them fuel if you don't have to. I don't think so, Shane. I mean, what this is Clem, this is Clemson's toughest game, and I I like A&M going in here and saying we are their toughest opponent because, I mean, this team didn't even lose in 2018. They haven't lost since 2017. Uh, I don't know. I I think there's Clemson has not reached that point where Alabama is. They're probably still there, but you know, I think a lot of teams when they just look at Alabama's roster, they're like defeated in the pregame. You know what I mean? And Clemson is nearing that level, and I think Texas A&M is letting them know that uh, they will not be intimidated. I th I don't I think it's the opposite of what you said. I think Jimbo is, is fired up. These guys said this because he he's taken over a weak A&M team physically and mentally, and now he's getting them to where they're buying into his approach. They're buying into his challenge, and uh, I don't know. I I think he loves this. So you think you think Clemson right now that if you go up there and you would ask each player on Clemson's team if there's a chance that Texas A&M can upset them, they, they would say that it, it really just depends. I, I think Clemson thinks that they're the best team in the nation and have been for several years now. I think that's where they're at. I think this ball club could look over Texas A&M very easily. But when you create a target, then it's easier to aim. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. If Clemson needs extra motivation, Shane, they're, <laughs> they're weaker than I thought. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. They, they, they're overlooking these guys, and I just – I don't know. Maybe I am overthinking it, Mike. Maybe you're right, but uh, it should make for a hell of a game, and I'm with you. I do think that this is the toughest team on their schedule. Mm -hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump here back into Jimbo Fisher because he had quite a bit to say here about Clemson. He was asked about playing in Death Valley, the ACC version of Death Valley, obviously former Florida State coach. He knows all about playing at Clemson. Uh, he also talked about the challenge – of Clemson's offense because they are so good at both running and passing. And finally, Shane, I thought this was an important clip to add, but on the championship mentality and just treating each opponent as a nameless, face, faceless opponent and it, how realistic that is with the number one team in the nation here on the schedule. What about your team? First time at the venue of Clemson, you've been there. What's different about that venue and an update on Renfro? Uh, the venue, I mean, it's one of the best places to play in college football. It's, it's Death Valley. Um, be loud. Be a lot of orange. 
<laughs> if you like orange, there'll be a lot of that. There'll be a lot of uh, happy fans. They're, 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 a, they're a great fan base, tremendous fan base, classy fan base, uh, but very loud and, you know, hard to go play. And, it, it's, you know, unlike in our league, it's just like in our league. You're, it's like the venues you're going to and to play in our league. And, with you know, it's 80-some or 90,000, whatever it is, and they love their ball and they're very good and they're passionate about it, that's for sure. And uh, it's one of the places, you know, you, you'd be able to say you played there when you're a player and one of the venues you'd be able to coach in, it, you definitely want to have been to uh, Death Valley. It's a great atmosphere in college. And Renfro will not play this game. He should be suspended one more game. What are the challenges of trying to take away at least one aspect of Clemson's offense when you do have Lawrence and all those receivers, plus you have Eddie Inn, Back well, that's what I'm well. saying. When you say you want to take all the wideouts away, they run the football, and they're very good up front, too. They protect and they can run. They're physical. Uh, and, you, you know, say, okay, I want to double this guy. Well, you leave another guy wide open. I mean, that's the thing. And how you match it up, where you get it at, you, I think, you know, trying to create different looks at different times, I think, you know, you can't do the same thing. Trevor's too smart and they're too good of coaches. You're going to have to keep your looks multiple. You're going to have to disguise things. You're going to have to do things as best you can. But at the same time, you can't do it to work out of position to make plays. And, like I say, they're so challenging because I mean, all I mean, sometimes most teams will have one dominant wideout where he's he's just so explosive. They got three, four, or five of those guys. Uh, their backs are the same way. I mean, so it's an extremely tough challenge. It's going to be a big burden, you know, on our everybody. Everybody says our secondary, but it's your defensive front, it's your linebackers, because at different times when you do different things, there's going to be pressure put on different guys within your, you know, in, in on your defense, and they're challenging as anybody. And then you have a quarterback who can really throw it in as, as good as Trevor is. And the thing about Trevor, too, that I think I don't know, people lose sight of, too, he's very athletic. You start thinking, well, he's just a big pocket guy, and you see this guy can run. He can create plays with his legs, too, and keep plays alive or create plays. And, you know, they're an extremely dangerous team, and it'll be a huge challenge for us, no doubt. Can you realistically tell your team to have nameless, faceless opponents and this week is just another game? Yes. I mean, they'll believe you? Yes. Okay. Because – People say – now, I've heard people ask that about Tiger Woods. I mean, to say, you know, it's a pressure putt. How did he and Jack Nickers make that putt? Because it's for all the money. They know they're going to win. No, they're trying to make a putt. It's when you learn to block out the clutter. you got to learn in, in, in the game of football. You know who your opponent is, and the, and the environment and atmosphere will take care of itself. But you have to control yourself. All the great opponents don't look for external motivation. Exter- you got to have it within yourself. You know what I'm saying? You are who you are and what you do each day. And if you're only getting motivated to play certain people, you're never going to win a championship. You have to drive from yourself, and your competition has to come from within. Now, you're a competitor. You have to take your game up and, and, and all that. But I can't control what Clemson does. We have to control how we think, how we play. And then their level of play, you've got to match. And as a competitor, you've got to keep going up. There's no doubt. And, and the level of competition has went up. But if you sit and worry about that all the time and anything, and I mean, I mean that – it's like, how does, how does certain golfers play great in majors than the others? You know what I mean? Or, you know, how does certain, does certain people handle, why does Tom Brady play so good in big games? It's not his opponent, it's himself. Why was Michael Jordan Michael Jordan? I mean, because it was about himself. It was, he never let the external things affect him. He kept, he knew in himself. And, I, and I, I know that's hard to grasp sometimes. You say it's a big game, but listen, they're all big games. I can say lose one. Lose last week. How big a game would that have been? All right, Shane. So of all the SEC coaches outside of, you know, Nick Saban, even though they keep playing Clemson, they've never played at Clemson that I'm aware of under Saban. I don't, I don't believe they have there. So Fisher knows what it takes to go into Clemson. And, you know, there was a time, it, it was when uh, Jameis Winston was a freshman, I believe. Clemson was a higher-ranked team. Florida State went in there, beat them by about 50 points. So he can win in Death Valley. He's not afraid of it. Uh, but I really thought uh, what he what he ended with here. We played similar comments he made in the off season about uh, Michael Jordan and the and his preparation and everything and and how that goes into winning. And it seems like the players are buying into it. That's what Jimbo's trying to sell. We'll find out if if that's really uh, if it takes place here over the weekend. But I like what I'm hearing from the Aggies at this point. Yeah, yeah, I like the faceless. It's- but it kind of reminds me of the red team. You remember that one back in the day? <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work out. <laughs> no, no, it did not, Shane. Hey, a final update here on the Aggies, Shane. Uh, starting cornerback, uh, Debian Renfro, 
remained suspended. This guy, you know, was uh, announced it was he was going to be suspended for the Texas State game. Jimbo said, "We'll see." <laughs> when asked about if he'll be suspended <laughs> for Clemson, he said, "This is the last week of it." Uh, so that's that's kind of a blow here. You think you'd want your starting cornerback here to face Clemson, but I guess he, whatever he did, he's he's kind of broken the rules one too many times, I guess. Uh, and then flipping over to Clemson, Shane, I just thought this was kind of interesting. Defensive coordinator Brent Venables, who may be the best defensive coordinator in the nation, he was asked about Kellen Bond and the challenge he presents the Tigers' defense. And I thought this was uh, an interesting comment here from Coach Venables. I don't know. Uh, he's he's the same guys, you know. Excellent player, uh, can extend plays, understands defenses. I'm sure there's a maturation that's taken place, uh, you know, that you know we're not necessarily able to to quantify. But you know, he's got a, a great feel for their offense going into their second year. Um, his ability to execute is probably at a really really high level. Uh, you know, without making, you know, mistakes. Um, he's a great runner, uh, and a very dangerous runner. And again, can extend plays, and the receivers do a great job at, um, you know, helping them extend plays. And, you know, really, really good system uh, that, uh, you know, is going to have balance in it. And uh, he just does a great job. Boy, he, he can throw. He's got a huge arm. Throw from one hash to the other on a dime, and a great touch, and uh, you know, excellent player. We won't we won't see anybody that's better than him all year. All right, Shane. So Kellamon, the best quarterback Clemson mm. will face. That doesn't say much. Well, I mean, Kellamon's a, a hell of a player, but I think Venables is letting it know. You know, there's not many good quarterbacks in the ACC outside of uh, Trevor Lawrence. We gotta we gotta face an SEC team to face a good quarterback. Well, and I'm telling you, it kind of goes along with what you were saying earlier that this this coaching staff's definitely not overlooking Texas A&M. If he's coming out and saying that Mond is the best quarterback they're going to face, so uh, maybe you were right on that. I, I I may record that bit, Shane. I like when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane. Let's jump on down to Fayetteville, Woo Pig, where we got another. Big game, I guess you want to call it here, Shane. Arkansas, Ole Miss, the Razorbacks, they're staring at 2-0 and in the face. That'd be huge for a fan base coming off a terrible season. This is the type of game the Razorbacks need to win to take that step up in the SEC West to get off the floor, and uh, they're going to have a real chance to do it. So let's jump to Chad Morris uh, talking about his passing game. It was, it was very hit or miss here in the opener against Portland State. He talks about that, and then he jumps into uh, the Ole Miss defense and what a leap they seem to have made here in the offseason under new coordinator Mike McIntyre. Um, what did you think of just the mesh between Ben and the receivers? Were they on the same page quite often? And and then just the execution of the offense, what did you think? Well, like I said, I didn't think we executed as well that, that, that we wanted to. Um, now, again, I'm going to go back again. A lot of it had to do with the fact that, that uh, you know, we, 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 had, we had four 10-play-plus drives. That's, that's pretty good right there. Um, we had two others, I believe, that were six-plus play drives. It ended with a, with a, a third down stop that we, we shot ourselves in the foot on. Um, so those things, you know, continued getting a rhythm, getting in a groove. You had 11 possessions. Uh, which you're limited there. Uh, you know, you normally want to have somewhere 13 to 14 possessions, but that's um, that happens at times. So, uh, but uh, I, I I did think that uh, I thought we had I thought like a few of the balls were were in the radius of a receiver that you would hope that we could make those catches. But when you put young guys out there in the first game, things are going to happen. Um, you know, we're not disappointed in those those guys for. For dropping the ball, they're going to make those catches. They've made them a thousand times at practice. Um, you know, you want wish that you had a, a guy that could throw the perfect ball every time, but it's not. That's not going to happen. Um, and you know, we got to we got to make sure that when that's in that catch radius, that we got to make the catch. And you know, that's, that that'll come. And then from Ole Miss defense, um, you know, Coach, you know, Mike McIntyre is known Mike for for quite some time. I consider him a, a really good football coach. Uh, watching them play uh, and, and studying the film, those guys played exceptionally hard. 
Um, they were very sound, and uh, they played physical. And so um, these guys were um, um, much improved from where we saw them a year ago. Chad, have you, have you ever faced McIntyre, like either as a coordinator or on, you know, where he's been on the other side of the ball? No, I, I, I haven't. All right, Shane. So Chad Morris kind of laid it out there. You know, this is his system, and now he's got his quarterback. He's, and these are basically all his receivers at this point. I know he's only been there two years, but that's how fast he's kind of turned over to the quarterback and receiving rooms. They're still not on the same mark. I think that's something that uh, obviously as the season goes on will come better and better, but they're going to need that to kind of fix itself immediately here in Oxford if the Razorbacks are going to go on the road and win an SEC game, don't you think? Oh, for sure, man. I mean, Memphis has a great offense, and they kept Ole Miss kept them in check. So if Arkansas doesn't take that step forward this week, they're going to be in trouble, man. Uh, final update here on the Razorback, Shane. This is uh, some terrible news here, but starting defensive end Dorian Gerald, he is out for the season. He has a strained artery in his neck, and this is something oh, they discovered in the week one game. And uh, Chad Morris, you know, said this is just a really strange injury. And, I mean, he's not even, you know, hopefully this kid can, he can return. He's a senior, but he can redshirt. So hopefully he returns to the field one day and is fine. But this is a serious situation. They're going to have to continue to monitor. I th- I really like the strides John Chavis has, has brought to that defense. I thought the defense was the strength of the team last year. It looked like the strength again. Losing a uh, starting defensive end going into SEC play, obviously not ideal here for the Razorbacks. No, man, I hope it gets better. Looking over to the other side of this big game, uh, let's jump on down to Oxford. Howdy, howdy, Ole Miss. Matt Luke met with the media here on Monday, and uh, he's already being asked, down 0-1 on the season, lost to rival <laughs> Memphis, facing a must-win situation already. Here's what Coach Luke had to say about this big game, and uh, he also talked about his quarterback, Matt Corral. Matt, it's obviously really early in the season to throw out something like must win or anything, but <laughs> with this being the SEC opener after how last week worked, just how important is this Arkansas game for the team looking forward? Well, it's huge. I think it's important because it's at home. It's in the SEC. It's just this is a, it's a big game for us. So I think um, continue to build defensively. Let's go work hard and get some of these young guys playing better offensively. I think uh, schematically put them in some better spots, have them a chance to be successful. Some things to get the ball out, of, uh, get the ball out quickly for Matt. I think uh, I think we can make a big big jump there. But it, it's it's obviously a huge game for us. Matt, I think in the last four years the Arkansas games have been decided by ten total points. What is it about these two teams that match up so closely against? You one know, that's a that's a tough tough one. But again, this will be a four quarter game. That, that's why our fans will be so key in this one for uh, for a young team. This this is going to be a four quarter battle. We'll have to go win it in the fourth quarter and. It'll be huge that we have a home field advantage. There. Yada yada. Yeah, no, I thought uh, obviously he he was a um, you know he made some really good decisions. He made some poor ones. That you know in, in your first start, I think I think that's that's happened. I think there's some things we can do to help him. I think the O line can help him. I think the receivers can help him. I don't think you all put it all on Matt. I think it's all I think it's coaching everybody working together finding a way to to get it done. I think we can get the ball out a little bit quicker awesome things and then if we do want to throw it down the field we got to hold up in protection all right shane if the rebels are going to get this win matt corral's got to have a lot better performance than he did at week one i think it's started to click for him a little bit here in the fourth quarter against memphis but still not getting it done the way they performed week one man how how wild is it i mean i've, I've been saying this all off season but Matt Luke already being asked about a must-win situation week two of the season. <laughs> uh, this is uh, not what Ole Miss fans had in mind here. No, it's not. And I just hope that they do a little bit better scripting. Um, you know, a lot of these teams will come out with a eight, ten play drive already at hand so they don't have to change anything. And, and I hope that a couple of these plays will consist of easy passes because I think Matt's you know, he's a little fragile right now and he's got to get some completions under his belt to sustain some of these drives. So, um, I hope rich knows what, I mean, honestly, rich is one of the better ones in the game. I give him a hard time, but he's been around a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of offenses. I think he'll be fine. And I think he'll get Matt where he needs to be. Mm -hmm. 
right, Shane, let's jump on down to Rocky Top. With Tennessee coach Jeremy Pruitt, he met with the media here on Monday, and I was kind of expecting him to have a little bit of heat, a little bit of passion here. Very reserved Jeremy Pruitt. Maybe maybe that's good. Maybe he's just, just not hitting the panic button. I don't know. It's really hard to read because I thought this team yeah. would be improved, and they clearly weren't week one. So maybe Yeah, I'm glad, glad the coach isn't pumped up after getting his ass beat, Mark. You're right. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> I was more fired up about us not coming to a spring game. Jeez. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here, Shane, but Jeremy Pruitt asked about uh, his comment here in the post game. Everyone's got look in the mirror. He was asked specifically what did he see when he saw that. Uh, he was also asked about the leadership on his team or lack thereof. And uh, finally here, Shane, on the fans being disappointed from their performance, uh, I want to get your thoughts on these comments. You know, same thing, just like I told the players, you know, everybody in the room's got Tennessee on their chest, right? So what can we all do to improve, uh, to be at our best? Uh, you know, and it all starts starts with me. Coach, does this team have a leader? Well, there's uh, we, we have some good leaders on this team. Um, here's the thing about leadership. It's easy to be the leader after the game, you know, um, it, it's easy to, to, to be the leader, you know, in a meeting before practice. Uh, but when the bullets start flying and maybe things don't go your way, you, that's when you need good leadership. You know, we have plenty of guys capable of doing that, right? Um, so I, I believe we have good leaders on this team. Um, and we have a lot of guys that are younger that, um, they respond to the le- to the leadership. You know, there, there's there's no secret um, to to why we lost this game. Okay, I said it after the game. They done a better job coaching than we did. They executed better than we did. Uh, it's not because we lack leadership. It's not because we lack effort. It's because we lack execution. Uh, they executed better than we did. We turned the ball over five times and only got one turnover, so it's hard to beat anybody that way. But as far as like to the fans who might be disappointed after week one, what would be your message to them about how you're going to approach the rest of the season? Well, I hope they are disappointed because I know everybody in this building's disappointed. Um, you know, we for us, we got to go back and go to work. You know, uh, we got to go back and and practice the right way, work on creating the right habits. I mean. Again, I'll say it again, we're young and inexperienced, and we, we've got to continue to grow. The, the most you improve is from the first week to the second week. Um, you know, we got a great opportunity starting today to do that. Uh, and if, if, there's, if, there's, um, if we're made the right way, you know, and I'm talking about what's inside of us, about, uh, you know, about wanting to go back and having a little bit of pride about who you represent and who you play for, you go back and you and, and you dig a little deeper and, and try a little harder and maybe watch a little more film here or, or um, do a little extra uh, in the weight room or whatever it is. You know, you look in the mirror, figure it out what we got to do, each and every one of us, to get better, and that's what we've got to do in this building. All right, Shane. So, once again, I'm not really sure what to take away from much of this, but uh, at least he's not, you know, he's putting the blame on himself. I guess you can only do that so many times before – Fans get tired of hearing that, but, uh, you know, he's not throwing anyone else under the bus at this time. That's about the only positive thing I could say about uh, what we've seen from Jeremy Pruitt so far. Well, he doesn't have to hope we're disappointed. I'll go ahead and let you know that we are. Um, the thing that really stood out to me, though, was the the team leadership, you know. And, and maybe I was wrong on this, you know. I, I, I pumped up Juwan Jennings and some of these other players on the team as alpha dogs. And, you know, when you watch – a game and there is just like no emotion there's no they're they're dragging they're walking they're jogging to a play i've seen several highlights come out of this game and i saw a lot of that Mm -hmm. a lot of that has to do with on-field leadership and maybe we don't have that man yeah i mean it certainly certainly didn't show week one but i think this is where you're going to see it shane if they cave against byu obviously that question will be answered immediately but if they come mm-hmm. back strong, 
Uh, I mean, this is the game everyone had circled, not not the Georgia State game, the Week 2 BYU game. Uh, so I still think they could have, I don't know if you want to say save the season, but mm-hmm. this this really sets the tone. This is uh, the biggest game of the Jeremy Pruitt era in my mind. I know the Florida game last year was huge. Obviously got the big wins there against Auburn and Kentucky. But now, because of this upset, this is the biggest game. And we're going to find out a lot about this team. We're going to find out a lot about this coach uh, week two. And I'm not saying, you know, even if they lose it, I, I don't think he's gone or anything. But if they, get, no, if they no. get blown out, I think it's I think then I think it's fair to start asking that. Yeah, no, and I think you're right, man. I think this is a big game. This is a bounce-back game, a game you should win, a game you're favored to win. And if they put all the pieces together and they come out, and then, you know, you you, you slowly but surely forget about Georgia Southern, you know what I'm saying, or Georgia State. One of them Georgias. One of them Georgias. Good grief. All right, Shane, final team we got to hit on today. Let's jump on down to Mississippi State. Where Joe Moorhead met with the media and uh, he had some good news here for Bulldogs fans. Shane Keaton Thompson is going to remain on the team. Mm. I, I thought that was pretty interesting. That was kind of a surprising, but it kind of makes sense. I mean, at this point, not a lot of options probably for him to transfer to. He can stay. He can essentially redshirt if need be and then be a potentially a graduate transfer by the end of the season. I think that's kind of the smarter play. Uh, so Joe Moorhead talks about that. And then uh, I just thought this was kind of an interesting comment here, but uh, Tommy Stevens, there was a moment in the uh, Louisiana game where he kind of got cheap shotted, and uh, immediately as soon as that happened, some of his teammates just kind of destroyed the person that did it there on Louisiana and what that says about the leadership uh, and the, uh, you know, togetherness of this team, even though this Stevens is a a new player on the roster. Coach, can you update the status on Keaton Thompson going into this week? I uh, met with KT yesterday in uh, probably our fourth or fifth meeting uh, throughout the past seven days. We talked and decided that he had explored his options after entering the portal and uh, you know, decided it was in his best interest as a player and for us as a team for him to return. So uh, KT sat in team meeting yesterday. He went through practice, and uh, we'll get him cranked back up on Tuesday. Okay. And uh, with, with Keaton again, is there some long-term plan in place to, to maybe try and maintain that red shirt for him or just – I guess moving forward, what was kind of those talks? And, um, you know, would you be hesitant to, to use him like if Tommy's helmet comes off, that sort of thing? Yeah. Uh, you know, just kind of the plan for him. No, we've, we've, we've had, you know, KT, myself, and Coach Bryan, like I said, we met four or five times and then met again. And some of the uh, details of those conversations are things that everyone's privy to, and some of them are ones that I'd prefer to keep internal within the, the team and the staff. But certainly, First and foremost, we have to do what's best for the team as it, as it pertains to, you know, KT's participation in redshirting or not redshirting. And then we got to do secondarily what's best for the individual. So if we're able to make those work in concert and do them both and get them both accomplished at the same time, we will. But, uh, you know, like, like us all, we're, it's all day to day. So uh, we'll take it, take it each situation as it arises. Afterwards, when he's walking off the field, the defender kind of rushes up against him and immediately – Tommy Champion or Cyrus Mitchell jump in to defend the quarterback. Uh, what's your reaction to that? And secondly, what does that do to your locker room when you see those guys kind of have that esprit de corps? Yeah, one, I'm glad there won a penalty, so that's positive. But, uh, you know, whether it was, you know, Cyro and Tommy jumping and, you know, grabbing Tommy's back, or I would hope that would happen, and I'm pretty certain it would for, for any of our players. The, the, the least thing that we're worried about right now is our leadership and our chemistry. And, and that's something I've remarked to the team throughout spring ball, throughout fall camp, and now entering the season. And this is a very close-knit team. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's just good to see that, you know, when, uh, you know, when you're back-to-back or you're in a foxhole, that you know the guy next to you is going to do what he needs to do to protect you. And uh, I thought that was a, a good sign because they, they, they stood up for their teammate. And it was also a good sign because it wasn't enough to get us a 15-yard penalty. All right, Shane. So I really thought uh... – you know, obviously last year there was some serious questions about Joe Moorhead as a head coach in my mind. And on his offense there at Mississippi State never really got going consistently. But now we're starting to see with a quarterback that understands the system, that can run it. You know, I feel like those questions are being answered. And now that we see uh, that his team is, is together and it seems to be firing on all cylinders – it gives me a lot more confidence that this guy knows what he's doing, not only as a play caller, but just as someone that can run this Mississippi State program moving forward. Yeah, yeah. And 
I, you know, the thing about the helping your quarterback out, I mean, that's just lineman mentality. That's lineman one-on-one. You, all summer, no one was allowed to touch that guy. There, He was wearing a red jersey. Anybody got near him, you got in trouble. You know what I'm saying? So then when you're in a game and you see somebody hit your quarterback, first response is to take care of that situation. So um, that's just – I, I that's just the big boys being big boys, and and this is what you like to see. I was afraid that a lot of people were going to be really attached to Keaton mm-hmm. in this situation, and then how did they handle? I mean, when things are bad, do they lean harder on uh, Tommy than they would uh, Keaton if he was back there? So you know, when you see just something stupid like this, if the linemen really loved Keaton and or KT, they like to call him, if they liked him more than they did Tommy, and then he saw a situation like this and they didn't respect Tommy, you would not have seen them attack this this defender, you know. So I thought that was pretty cool. It's just It just lets you know where that locker room's at right now. That's another thing I wanted to hit on. I'm glad you brought up Keaton because how many times have we seen it, Shane, where once these situations are played out, I certainly don't hold it against Keaton if – I don't want to say he's got any ill will towards Joe Moorhead, but it just doesn't seem like this staff has a ton of confidence in Keaton Thompson, despite the fact that when he's been called into action, he's looked pretty good to me. He's looked a lot better than a lot of these quarterbacks that we watch on a week-in, week-out basis. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, there's plenty of uh, reason for him to kind of just want to bail out of this situation, but I, th- I just think it says a lot of Joe Moorhead for – like he said, I believe he met with Keaton two or three times after he decided to jump into the portal. And I'm sure it wasn't a, you know, you need to make a damn decision or get the hell out. It was more, you know, let's find let's find out what's out there for you. And then let's review your options and make the best decision and all this. So I, I just really think this says a lot about his ability to manage a very tough and difficult situation that we're seeing all across the country, these coaches fail, fail miserably to handle. Absolutely. And I think, I think something you talked about when he hit the portal was, you know, you, you always feel like you're worth more than you really are. And when you go out to a portal and then you're getting feedback from, you know, Southern Miss or, UAB or something like that, then you're saying, okay, this is where I'm at in the pecking order. Bama's not calling for me. You know, Clemson's not wanting me. So Mississippi State is what I have, and I have an opportunity to win this job next year. Maybe this year. Who's no, who knows? Tommy could get hit or get hurt. I mean, he's a mobile quarterback. So mm-hmm. I, I think he, he just probably needed to remove himself from the situation and just kind of reanalyze where he is as a player. Yeah, and I also think you sticking it out kind of like a Jalen Hurts, I think that adds to your value when you do decide to become a graduate transfer. We saw how many people wanted Jalen Hurts. Maybe this Keaton Thompson, if he does it, and maybe he, like you said, maybe he plays a couple times and increases his stock. Uh, Maybe he's got to step up and beat a team in the SEC. Who knows? Uh, And then if, say, Vanderbilt's looking for a starting quarterback or, I mean, insert a Power five school, there's going to be plenty looking for a starting quarterback. And if Keaton Thompson doesn't believe Mississippi State's the right place for him, I think it's a a much more better option to do that and get in for the spring, get in for the summer, get in for training camp, and he'll have a much better opportunity to win a starting job next season. Yeah, for sure. All right, Shane, that's all I got. You got anything before we hop off here? Yeah, buddy, I've got some reviews. All right. All right, I appreciate everybody taking the time to give us a rating review on iTunes. Uh, it really does help us out a lot, especially those five-star reviews, those guys that took a, and girls that took that extra step to give us a five-star rating. Uh, we'd like to read those out. Uh, the first one here comes from T.S. Shifuro. Go Cox, five-star. Great to hear an SEC podcast that actually talks about us lowly game Cox for a bit, for at least a little bit. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Furo. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Thanks for the review. This one, this next one comes from Dog180. Great show. Five star. After stealing my daughter's phone to leave a second review, now I had to create a second account to cancel out the jackass who left a one-star review. Keep up the great work, guys. 
and keep up, keep finding ways to leave multiple reviews. Go dogs, dog one eighty. I appreciate the hustle, my man. That's true fandom right there. We appreciate all the double reviews. That were, <laughs> those are yeah. awesome. Still doubly awesome. This next one comes from Bulldog Steve. Bulldog Steve, five star. Love you guys. You're funny, informative. I'll share with my friends. Thank you, Bulldog Steve. Thanks, Steve. We really appreciate oh. it. Wait, is they Steve? Maybe Bulldog Steve. S E V E. Sorry. I'm illiterate too. All right. This one here, next one comes from Saban's Hip. Five star, great podcast. I'm an Alabama fan living in Tennessee, so I love the completely non bias of the podcast. You fellas tell it how it is, especially Shane while he's sipping what I assume is Bush Line. <laughs> <laughs> if I keep losing these bets, that's exactly what it'll be. <laughs> but I appreciate you, Saban's Hip. Yeah, that's uh, hopefully it doesn't go out on you again. Oh, Mike, here comes one. Gerald Pickney Vols. Great podcast. Five star. Great podcast. Mike and Cousin Shane are the best podcast entertainment coming and going. Really great work. My ex-wife and I are avid followers of the podcast, and I need to send her a message. She won't speak to me. I'm hoping that if it comes from Cousin Shane's voice, that it will go better than mine. Sheila. I've been thinking about you a lot. The cat, the cat has been starting to do that thing again, and I'm not sure what to do with her. The more Daisy eats, the more crazy she gets and tears up the curtains and everything else. I miss you. You bought her. I miss you, and you bought her. You should keep her. I don't know why we can't get back together. I want to. I forgive you. My heart is healed and I'm ready to, for commitment. But if we can't, the cat should be yours. If you cut your hair. <laughs> Man, you can't laugh up, you laugh your ass off through this guy's heartfelt message. Oh, no. If you cut your hair, I'll love you again. I still remember our summer and what we did at the furniture store. <laughs> Please message me back. I'd be. It'd be good to hear from you, Gerald. Gerald, I appreciate you. And I hope that uh, I hope that review is real, and I hope we fix a marriage, Shane, with our podcast. That would that would be something. Or do, at least do something with Daisy there. <laughs> All right, next one comes with Lenny Boy Nani. Like listening to friends talk SEC football. Five star, the best SEC football podcast. Shane and Mike are non-biased. Great show, Lenny Boy. I appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate it. This next one comes from Knox Vegas, the best podcast out there. Five star, great show. Keep up the good work. Knox Vegas, I appreciate you. Yes, sir. We appreciate all our reviews. All right. Next one comes from Lanny Bennett. Love it, y'all. Five star. I love Georgia and SEC football, and I moved to Illinois. I don't know any SEC fans here, so I can get a little homesick. So I can get a little homesick for football talk. Listening to this podcast makes me feel at home and keeps me up to date on all the news. I'm so happy to have y'all. The show is great, and I love how y'all joke around as well. Keep it up, y'all. Thank you, Lanny. Appreciate you. Yeah, and I can really relate to that because there was a time I was living in Los Angeles working for Fox Sports, and, and there was no SEC fans out there. So I'm glad to, glad to hear that we're uh, helping you out there in Illinois. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I've been to Illinois once, Mike. I've never seen so many toll roads in my life. All right, this next one, crew of Mount Meigs. I'm still mad at about the 2018 Auburn game. Five-star, consistent content, fairly unbiased. I crack beers with big orange balls when I hit play, mostly because I hate them dirty Bamas just, <laughs> just as much as the Vols fans. But I live with them, so I'm pretty sure I hate them more. So... Crew, I appreciate you. Whoa, that's yeah, that's a that's a wild one. We appreciate it though. Absolutely, all the hatred, but I love the five star. Mm -hmm. Appreciate that. All right, this one here, Maggie nine one six nine one. Hey, 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 buddy, five star. <laughs> My husband is forcing me to write this review. <laughs> five stars, go dogs. That's oh, that's awesome, Maggie. Hey, Maggie, husband. What? That's some effort right there. Nice hustle. Last but not least, Mike. Justin Kapow. Great dynamic. Five star. Guys, such a guys, such a great job on this show. I love it. And thanks so much for the emergency show. 
I was laughing so much listening to it. It was an early surprise. So I appreciate you, Justin, and just letting you know, uh, emergency podcast was all Mike's idea. I tried to avoid him for three to four hours, but I'm glad I did it because the venting was what I needed. Mm-hmm. Kaboom. Thanks for that five star. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for getting on I me mean, because we had ghost reviews and everything. That is the most ratings we've ever had. And I appreciate all the listeners hanging out with us. And, uh, you know, so you, your team may be in a bad situation last week. Your team may be in a great situation coming into this week. But week one is behind us. Week two is ahead of us. We've got a lot of good things happening. South Carolina, you know, you're down. You lost. You lost. Okay. But now you've got a new quarterback. And he may be the one. He may be the new golden goose. We don't know that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, you never know till they hit the field. Absolutely. We got the Vols play. You know, we got we got redemption against the Mormons. We got uh, Arkansas. I mean, you can make a voice for yourself by beating the Ole Miss going two and zero. I mean, there's so many storylines across the nation this week. Uh, I'm just pumped up, Mike. I'm, I'm glad football's still here, and and uh, week two should be even better than week one. And final update, Shane, this just got tweeted out. I just want to read this because I think this backs up my point talking about this Texas A&M-Clemson game. This is from Daylon Mack, former defensive tackle last year for uh, the Aggies, now in the NFL. This is exactly what he says here, Shane. Jimbo told us we had the better team last year when we played Clemson. At that point in time, we didn't believe him until the game ended. This time, they are going in believing it from the jump. Let's go, Aggies. I love this attitude. I don't know, Shade. I got a, a strange feeling here. We're going we're gonna to have another classic game here in Clemson. I can't wait for it. And uh, I'll be waving that uh, SEC flag if, if Texas A&M goes in there and stomps uh, the ACC's best team. And just a little behind the scenes, when Mike is right about something, he texts me nonstop about it. So I'll wake up tomorrow, and I'll have a 2 o'clock in the morning text that he saw from a tweet last week just solidifying what he's saying about this game coming up this week. That's who Mike, he just, he never stops. And I appreciate you for that, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, Shane, let's get out of here. Thank you for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go Vols.